Prepare to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here is the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of the Academy of Internet Marketing, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel, and today I'm being joined by a very special guest. He is a best-selling author, media expert, and success coach. This guest has represented a record-breaking 58 Academy Award winners, 34 Grammy Award winners, 43 New York Best Time Sellers. His former clients include Michael Jackson, Barbara Streisand, and George Carlin, among many others. His work has included media counsel to former presidents Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and Bill Clinton. In addition, he himself has authored 19 books, including five bestsellers. CNN has dubbed him America's branding expert, and he, of course, is the one and only Michael Levine. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your valuable audience with me. Well, now, before we dive into today's topic of running your business in a pandemic, with so many A-list clientele, I think that many people might ask is, is how did you first sign your, your first big client? Well, I have an answer uh, to that question, which is often asked of me, but the problem with my answer is that while it's true, it's not very satisfying for most people. Okay. So if you'll allow me to give you an answer that is both true, but also um, not very satisfying for most of your audience, I will be happy to answer the question. That sounds great. All right. So how did I sign or how can you sign your first really, really, really big client? And I'm going to tell you how to do it, how I did it, and how you can do it. And I'd like to invite you, if you're willing, to write it down. Again, I've already acknowledged that I don't think you're going to find it very satisfying. Okay. But I do promise you it is true. So here is the answer. Here is how you and I... Here's how I did it, and here's how you can do it. Ready? I'm ready. Somehow. The answer is somehow. Now, for those listening that have just written that word down and said, well, that's not very satisfying. That doesn't give me any information. I think it does. I think it gives you a vast amount of information. And the vast amount of information it gives you, I believe, once you get past the disappointment of the answer, is that the great ones find a way. They go to the front door, the back door, the side door, the chimney. The great ones find a way. 
And if you want to be a great one, you are going to have to find a way. And how will you find a way? Somehow, through the front door, the back door, the side door, the chimney, you will find a way somehow. And that's the mindset that I really believe most accurately explains how I signed my first big client. Well, that's great. That is definitely something to think about. You know, over the weekend here, I read your book, uh, well, one of your books, but I, was, I read uh, Broken Windows, Broken Business. And within that book, I found particularly interesting, at one point you mentioned there are two speeds in today's business climate, fast and dead. Correct. And I would imagine that now during the COVID pandemic, this must be even more exaggerated. Would that it be is. correct? I'll give you an example of it, Andy. And, and I want to show, share with you and your audience just how terribly far we've fallen and what a great opportunity it is for people who take the challenge seriously. So we are talking today on Monday. It's a Monday. Right. Yesterday was Sunday. Sunday. And around 10.30 in the morning, I did something unusual, at least for me. I drove into a Krispy Kreme donut shop drive through Never really done that before, but due to the pandemic, mm -hmm. we have a drive-through, and I drove in at 10.30 in the morning in Orange, California. This is Orange County, and so I got into the line. Now, from the time I got into the, and it's very warm out, maybe about 90, I think, at 10.30 in the morning, and from the time I got into the line, Till the time I got my tea and a donut. A total of 30 minutes had passed. Okay. Now, what does that say? It says a lot of things, I guess. Um, now, the pandemic is tough on business. There's no question. It's tough on all of us. And it has slowed us down. But when did 30 minutes to get a donut become acceptable in the minds of the Krispy Kreme Corporation. When did the Krispy Kreme Corporation wake up and say, well, normally we're going to get it to you in 15 minutes, but in the pandemic, we're going to get it to you in 30 minutes. They simply are not able, as most companies aren't, able to meet the challenge of the times in which we live. And so I will never drive into another Krispy Kreme drive through again. And I will tell people, as I've just done with you and your blessed audience, about their failure. I mentioned, by the way, at the end of the experience, I asked to speak to the manager. And his name was Edward, and I talked to Edward for a moment. And Edward was modestly polite underlying modestly. And um, he said that I could have the donut and the, the tea for free. Well, I guess I appreciate that. But 
I don't really get a sense that Edward or the Krispy Kreme Corporation really understands the importance of speed and what a terrible, terrible broken window that is for their company. Now, I um, have never been through a Krispy Kreme drive-in before, but I'll never do it again. And I'll tell anyone I can think to about that, maybe even write it someday. Hmm. Now, so, I, would, I would think that most um, people who are unsatisfied, too, aren't telling Edward at Krispy Kreme even about it. Well, that's the interesting piece of this. I get a sense, uh, more than a sense, Andy, that we have normalized um, that which we shouldn't normalize. Mm -hmm. And so a humorous way I put it, and I'd love your audience to think about this. In the world we're living today in 2020, sadly, C has become the new A. F has become the new C. And that's a pretty uh, powerful indictment about the way business is being done in America in the early part of the 21st century. Hmm. You know, another part, and it kind of jumps onto the other extreme, but you had a chapter in your, in your book that I thought was fascinating. And it was talking about JetBlue and how they, they revolutionized revolutionized to an extent the airline business by eliminating frills and concentrating on customer service. Now, when you, you talk about that, you had a line in there that said, in the time-honored fashion, competitors rush to imitate what works instead of analyzing why it worked. Now, I thought that was a really great insight, but how would you apply that to today's climate? Well, I do think, you know, Andy, uh, to be, be uh, personal with you for a moment and your audience, some of this stuff I'm going to share with you right now, you know, and they probably don't. And that's what makes this conversation interesting in certain ways. I'm talking to people who I've never met, who mm -hmm. I'm likely to never meet, uh, who have no idea of maybe who I am. Um, and where I came from, my particular story, I was born, Andy, two and a half miles north of Ground Zero in New York City. And I was one of the few Americans alive today who have had the distinction of watching the World Trade Center be built twice. Kind of wacky thing. Mm -hmm. um, now, in growing up, in New York City, I grew up in a poor home. And I don't mean financially poor, I mean emotionally poor. My mother was an alcoholic. And anyone who's ever lived in an alcoholic home knows it's pretty rough. And so I had the burden of living in an alcoholic home, which essentially means you learn to raise yourself. And then, um, in addition to that problem, and I think you know this, Andy, I also had a disability that is not, wasn't very well known at the time, but is much better known today. A lot of things are better known today. For example, um, my mother's alcoholism, alcoholism or addiction wasn't very well known or much talked about topic 50 years ago. 
-hmm. It's much better known today. We know much more about addiction, alcoholism today than we did then. Now, one of the uh, things we did not know much about at that time was dyslexia. And so, um, and we used to have another word for dyslexia 40 or 50 years ago, uh, Andy, and that was dumb. People who were dyslexic 40 or 50 years ago, we didn't refer to them as dyslexic, we referred to them as dumb. And so um, we, I had a struggle and barely, barely graduated high school, leave the house at age 17. And um, now I have, at 17, I have no money, no job, no education, no parenting. I'm scared and I'm skinny and I'm dyslexic. Other than that, I have some really great cards. But, <laughs> And what I learned over time, Andy, is that these disadvantages in my life that I'm mentioning strangely turned out in a very paradoxical way to be advantages. And so one of the things that my dyslexia did, and I'm still dyslexic, is it allowed, it increased apparently my capacity for observation. And so while I can't send a text message or read a very fine print uh, credit card statement, I have an above average ability at watching what really smart people do. And it's really been very helpful. So I'm not very bright, Andy but I'm above average at watching what bright people do. And um, that's been damn helpful to me. Uh -huh. uh, now, if I can tell you another secret uh, or a separate secret, um, in addition to being above average at watching what bright people do, I might even be a bit better at watching what dopey people do. And that's even more powerful, strangely. And so what I've learned in my observational skills is to do what the bright people do and don't do what the dumb people do. And that has been very powerful. Now, you indicate that people look around and copy, imitate success. But I do think that's very good observation about they don't often go deeper into the why. And, um, and I think that's important to know why, so, not only that something works, but why it works, I think is very important. And that's what my Broken Windows book is about. It's about how little details matter a lot and why they matter a lot. Right, right. Yeah, no, that is, um, that's some, some very fascinating uh, train of thought. You know, uh, another thing that came up, so the majority of my listeners on the podcast here, they run e-commerce businesses. And inside your Broken Windows book, you have, a, you have a chapter specifically about websites. And in that chapter, you write good or bad, the little things you do send psychic signals to people 
with whom you most hope to communicate your customers. That's right. That is true. And they're setting, sending these bloody psychic signals all the damn time. And the psychic signals are powerful. They're invisible. And uh, you can send a psychic signal that's positive or send a psychic signal that's negative. So, for example, if you have, uh, you know, this happens to me all the time, by the way. People will send me a video to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if they send me a video to watch, right, and they make it easy for me to watch, like with one click, I'm more likely to watch it than if I have to stop and challenge my dyslexic brain to put in a password or an access code, often small type, hard to read, at least for me, a participant ID, a username. So we have to think as Jeff Bezos from Amazon does, think with the customer in mind. Yeah, no, he's done, he's done all right for himself. Yes, I, I would agree. <laughs> and because he is not, you know, he doesn't care about what the customer thinks. He's obsessed with what the customer experiences. You know, Andy, one of the things I've noticed today that's at the core of so many businesses screwing up, and we're at an all-time high of businesses screwing up, is that too many of them are running their businesses based on what's good for the owner and what's good for the staff, not what's good for the customer. And uh, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Right. No, that definitely would um, decrease conversion. Oh, I think you're being <laughs> uh, funny and truthful and understated. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're running out of time, but I'd be amiss if I didn't get your feedback on another really shrewd point that I read in your book. And it was that having a superior product doesn't guarantee success, but having superior customer service and fixing broken windows almost always does. Well, let me mention to you a statistic, Andy, to your audience as well. 90% of all restaurant complaints prior to the pandemic mm -hmm. were service related. Listen again, 90% of all restaurant complaints prior to the pandemic were service related. Not about the food, not about the, uh, they're service related. And the biggest broken windows very often are broken people. I mean, we are, we are employing people for customer service jobs that frankly shouldn't um, be in that position. Now, our friends on the web, our digital friends who listen to this show, they want to automate everything. They want to create a business model 
where there are no human beings? Well, the question is not whether that's a convenient strategy. The question is whether it's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that our friends who live in digital realities uh, would do well to reconsider the fact that they're doing business with customers who happen to be human. No, that's a, that's a great point. Now, here we're at the end of the, near the end of the show, and what I usually ask my guests is if listeners want more information regarding you, how would they get in contact? However, I know that you're doing something really special right now and have launched a weekly group. I have. That gets together via Zoom to discuss today's environment. Yeah. And I know about the group because I'm a member of the group. Great. And I, and I personally, I have found it to be not just insightful, but very useful in adjusting Thank to you. the current environment. You're welcome. I think you have been uh, valuable to the group. So let me first tell you that if somebody wants to learn about my PR firm or me or what I do, you, I mean, you can go on Wikipedia or you can go on michaellevinemedia.com. So that's michaellevinemedia, M-E-D-I-A.com. Uh, you can do that. Now, we have formed this group about three months ago called the Zoom Excel Community. And it has a kind of Shark Tank-like feeling to it, meaning that instead of coming into the meeting and begging people for money, which is what people do on Shark Tank, Uh they come into the meeting and they ask people, instead of for money, they ask people for wisdom, which is another very valuable currency if you have a brain. So this Zoom Excel community is terrific. And if anyone is interested in it, they can obviously contact you or then go through the Michael Levine media site if they're interested. I, we, we, it's every Friday. It's uh-huh. noon uh, at Los Angeles time. But we have people from as far away as Norway already. I mean, we're all over the, not only all over the country, we're all over the world. And these are people who are go-getters. And these are people who are going to use this tremendously difficult time we're in to prepare so that when the doorbell rings and someday it will ring, I don't know when it will ring. It probably will ring not in a day or a week or a month, but probably sometime from now, the doorbell will ring. The people who have been in the Zoom Excel community will not be looking for their pants or their keys or their underwear or their shampoo. They will be ready. And that is an important piece to uh, the Zoom Excel community. Okay, great. Well, if it's all right with you, I will post the information regarding your group in the Make Each Click Count Facebook group. Great. I would love that. Uh, Anyone can join for once, one time for free. There is a cost to the group. It's $120 a year. Well worth it. It all comes to the money back guarantee, in my opinion. But um, I, you could come and and participate for a week for free, and we'd love that. That's great. Yeah, and I could, like I said before, but to the listeners, I highly recommend 
Thank you. Checking Thanks. It out. And listen, your book is also very important and valuable. Oh, well, thank you, Michael. And it helps people delineate the difference between results and activity. You know, you, one of the problems with the um, social media and the web is that it is very, very, very good and very seductive at create, creating feelings of motion, activity, activity, activity. But much of it is, is just motion. It's not results. Can't take any likes to the bank. So, yeah, I love that quote. <laughs> all true. For sure, for sure. But it's very seductive at, at fooling you into believing you're doing something effective. Great. Well, before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to add regarding the subject of running your business in a pandemic? No, just that um, this is a unique uh, crisis for our country and the world. However, it is not the first crisis the country and the world has ever faced. And that I am convinced that we will um, defeat this crisis. Now, it may not be in a day or a week or a month. It might be a year. It might be two years. It might be 18 months. But that day will come. And the question is, what are you going to do if it is going to be the next 18 months, which is a bloody long time? What are you going to do, dear friend, to be prepared so when the doorbell rings, you fly out the door like an Olympic athlete, not like someone who's been asleep for 18 months? And uh, I promise you, if you follow that strategy, you will join others who have been willing and ready uh, once the, the doorbell rings in other crises. And um, so thank you again for the opportunity. Great. Well, thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, that is it for today. Remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. And if you're looking for more insights and wisdom from Michael, feel free to join his Excel community. And those calls happen each Friday, and I will post all the details within the Make Each Click Count Facebook group. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, happy marketing, and I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to do it faster are members of the Academy of Internet Marketing. Join our private Facebook group, Make Each Click Count, or send us an email to info at trueonlinepresence.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.